Hello there. Thank you for joining us at Line Upon Line Bible Discussions. We're looking again at the great book of Genesis, and in particular, our focus is on Genesis chapter 3. Our title for this uh, discussion is The Fallout from the Fall. Uh, we're going to try to look into some of the great changes that took place as a result of the fall, uh, and so that's where we will be looking at today. Our guest uh, today is David Williamson from Belfast. Again, as we come towards the end of this series, uh, we have one more episode after this. Our focus is, of course, to learn more about our great God, about ourselves, about the world around us from the Word of God. Hello, David. Good to see you again. Um, hey, Andre. Our subject today is, again, in Genesis chapter 3, we're looking at the, the fallout of, of the fall. I've just used that little expression, fallout. I think one of the dictionary definitions I came across was the adverse results of a situation or action. So that, that's the thinking behind it. What has come to us uh, from, from the fall and has affected really the whole of the universe as we know it today um this act of disobedience is it's almost though it detonated a, a bomb uh, a, a great explosion in the middle of god's ordered creation and and that had implications um so david um as we look at this as we consider this together um is there anything you want to say about the significance of this this fallout um is is there any way that we can kind of view it that might be helpful uh well the 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 significance of the fall itself you know probably can't be overstated and i think the illustration of an explosion in creation is 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 fair enough um i mean we've been looking at at in the previous discussions about the the world as God made it, and we've seen that that world was was perfect and everything was very good, uh, not just morally perfect, but but complete. But uh, all that God has made um, is suddenly impacted by uh, the fall. Um, it's maybe just an important point to to note that uh, we saw before that Adam has a unique place mm. in. Uh, the world order that God created, and uh, because of that, His act then had repercussions for all, all of creation. Um, he was God's vice regent; it was His responsibility to rule for God in the world. Uh, God, of course, was the ultimate sovereign, but but man had this this sphere of, of authority that God gave, mm -hmm. and as a result of that, then His actions had implications for his realm or uh, the, the place that he was given to rule over and uh, the, the the disconnection between him and God that we're going to see uh, really caused a rupture between the world and God and uh, mm -hmm. you know I, I think that maybe we can't overstate <laughs> really the yeah. the um, implications mm -hmm. of the fall for the world around us. Um, you remember Romans 8, uh, that the creation has been subjected to futility. Mm. Uh, yeah. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. And uh, I take it to mean basically creation itself, all of creation won't be right. Right. Mm -hmm. Until there's a, a man reestablished by God as the rightful ruler of this world and everything is brought back into some kind of of order so yeah as far as creation itself is concerned there's a massive um uh, there are massive implications and then of course for humanity as well obviously we know from romans chapter five in the bible that adam is is the head of the human family and um it tells us there that by one man's sin entered into the world and death as the result of sin and so uh, Adam's action had implications, not just generally for creation, but for humanity very, very specifically. Um, uh, we stand before God as sinners <clears throat> and death has come in and impacted our relationship with God and physical death is the result 
of Adam Sin. So we could we could go on and on and on expounding upon the variety of ways in which uh, Adam's sin affected the world, but everything that is wrong about the world ultimately has its source in the fall. Yeah, when I was thinking about it, I mean, uh, the word that came into my head was that word seismic. Yeah. There's that sense in which, you know, with an earthquake, the damage, um, perhaps the the damage just seems to spread out from the center. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the center center here is is, um, the garden and the fall. And there's an impact that will be felt at every, you know, in every corner of God's ordered universe now, almost as a result of that. I take it, um, you know, and, and, and what we're seeing here in Genesis is, is the, these great changes almost in miniature in this chapter, you know, so, some of the things that, that come in, you know, they're just, they're just seen as, uh, in, in their seed form, as, as people have said about Genesis, um, and 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 th- that will be then developed, and we'll see where that leads. I mean, we only need to go to the next chapter to see the effect in human relationships with two brother, one brother killing the other brother. You know what I mean? Um, so it's almost like it's this ripple, this wave. You know, you throw you throw something into a, a pond, and then all of a sudden everything is disturbed. Um, you think that would be fair? fair to uh, absolutely. So they, these are the, the first ripples, but it just keeps going yeah, like towards just keeps the very end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I get that yeah. very much. So um, <clears throat> that's why we've tried to call it the fallout of the fall, um, because you know you think of a, a nuclear explosion and they speak about nu- nuclear fallout. Um, it can be, you know, sort of we would play in the word there as well. So there, there's the whole way in which that impacts us today. And that's what we're really trying to get to eventually in our, our discussion as we look at it today. Um, so I think we should, should just work through uh, the text here and, and pick up things that, that you know, stand out to us as we go uh, looking. Well, we'll read the text from verse number seven, right down uh, to 24, just to begin with. And, and then we'll just work our way down and pick up uh, key elements on the way so from verse seven the fall has already taken place um then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day and adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord god among the trees of the garden then the lord god called to adam and said to him where are you And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The the, the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're more cursed, or you're cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face uh, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever, 
Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed Cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Amen. So just coming back to, to this text, and David, um, we have um, initially... The very first thing that we notice here is when she takes and she gives to her husband with her and he ate as well. It says the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Um, and then, of course, they they, they sew fig leaves and, and made themselves coverings. Um, just, just looking at that, there's obviously some form of awareness that they immediately have that they did not have before that. And, and with this awareness com comes a change in, in how they behave, if you like. Um, mm -hmm. Have you have you any thoughts on, on how we're to understand this 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 change of awareness? Yeah, I, I think just just generally, I think to remind ourselves in, in this passage is that uh, we're, we're viewing a story which is historically true. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of symbolism yeah, in yeah, the story yeah. uh, as well. And uh, those two things can run together and they do run together throughout the story. So it says the eyes of them both were opened in the sense that, as you've said, they're suddenly conscious of something that they hadn't been conscious of before this. <clears throat> it wasn't that they didn't couldn't look upon each other's naked form. They could. Uh, but there was something that they were conscious of here, which they had been unconscious of before. Uh, you remember they were forbidden to from partaking of the tree and, and uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And before that, they had just really one, one test um, was external to them. Uh, God's word had been given. They could... Uh, trust him as the one who knows best they could obey his word or they could distrust him and disobey so that there's one test mm -hmm. yeah other issues of of good and evil weren't in their field of vision at all uh is that fair enough god had not yet spoken on many matters but when they send i think the, the idea is that their conscience was suddenly awakened. Mm -hmm. uh, they had knowledge, and, and you, you know that the word conscience means with knowledge, con, science. Uh, but this uh, sudden knowledge only brought guilt, uh, an awareness of guilt mm -hmm. and, and, and fear. Uh, before this, they had been completely naked. Yeah. I, I take it before God and one another, but, but now they couldn't be utterly at home in that condition um so there's a sense in which sin had uh, not only fractured their relationship with god but with one another mm -hmm. and so just as they, they they no longer trust god they, they couldn't any longer fully trust one another right and be fully exposed before yeah. one another is, is that is that um so just maybe to get that together, at a practical level, I take it that their covering up may have been in some sense to one another mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the sense of sin having destroyed the trust mm. that was previously there. They no longer felt fully comfortable and fully willing to be exposed in, in one, another's, one another's company. But at a symbolic level then, their, their, their covering up spoke to this even more foundational issue of they're no longer uh, comfortable to be exposed before God. They, they knew good and evil. They knew that what they did was evil. So they have a conscience which is uh, reminding them that they're not right. They're not right. Uh, before yeah. God, would, would you be happy with that? Or yeah, I think I think that I that idea of of, of the, the the awakening of of some form of shame, um, and that that has to come back to the fact that yes, okay, so the serpent that says you know you'll know something, but this knowledge is coming at a great cost. Uh, this knowledge is coming at a, an awareness of their own 
sin, or their own disobedience and their own, uh, and and so actually there's a sense in which, before this point, they they didn't really this is they didn't really they they certainly hadn't been on this side of the conscience, which is um you know it was shouting to them accusing, them, yeah. accusing yeah. them in that sense you know um uh, which is which is again something i mean shame in our society today is is and guilt the feelings of guilt are, are something that people um psychologists try to always bracketize as something that's bad you have to get rid of it um you have to not you have to think positive thoughts you've got to accept yourself you've got to um you know but there is a legitimate feeling of guilt that comes when you recognize you are guilty and i think that what we have here is the shame the legitimate shame and guilt feeling of guilt that comes out of a recognition would you would you say that would be Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, there, there is what, what you've said about how it is being dealt with in society is a testament to the fact that this is uh, something which people experience the world over this issue of conscience, really. Um, and it's worth saying, really, that, that religion the world over is very much a testimony to the fact that people know in yeah. some sense that there's good and evil and they know that they're not on the right side of that yeah. there's an awareness that they need in some sense to 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 cover up or to um deal with that issue yeah and and, and maybe just on a caveat and whatever i said about the bringing in the sort of the feelings of guilt there can be you know irrational feelings of guilt as well in, in circumstances but at the root level the problem doesn't lie in the fact that we have feelings of shame and guilt. The problem lies in the fact that we are guilty uh, before God um, in, in a spiritual sense. Isn't that right? Um, so yeah. so um, the, the, the first way to remove feelings of guilt is, is through finding the way back to God. <laughs> if, if you like the, the way in which guilt can be removed. And, and of course that's a gospel uh, and it's a discussion for another day, but I thought I would just mention that. Um, anything else? We'll we'll move on to the next little bit. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 content with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, as we we begin to <laughs> um, look a little bit more, um, we see their response to it. They cover themselves up, as you said. They, they 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 seek to hide it hide themselves from each other as you say there's implications there as to our relationships not just just with God but with each other and then we read of the Lord drawing near um and and, and there's there's almost a panic you know uh, that that we see uh, verse number eight they heard the sound of the Lord or the voice of the Lord God, I think you can read what um, voice or the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this, this is becoming more evident, isn't it? This uncomfortable uh, yeah. reality. And now instead of, wanting to be in God's presence, there seems to be a, a desire to move away from God's presence. Absolutely. So um, so I, you mentioned there, Andrew, that, that guilt um, and the feelings or the awareness of guilt are two different things. Yeah. Um, but the response that they make here to God's call or got the sound of the Lord in the garden and so on, this is showing that they're aware that they're, they were guilty the moment they disobeyed. Yes. They are aware of guilt here. That's that's evident. Mm -hmm. uh, they know that the relationship they have with God has been disturbed. Uh, you know, there's and there's there's a lot could be said just about that. And there's there's something just maybe to say very briefly, and that is that this I find this a really encouraging 
part of the Bible in the sense they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So this this was the one against whom they sinned. This is the one we're going to see they no longer trusted. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't destroyed them. Um, in fact, he has stood to come near mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to them. And uh, yeah. this is God's yeah. first contact with sinners. That's an important thing to remember. I mean, they, they, yeah. this is they, yeah. they, they weren't sinners before this. And he takes the initiative, and we're going to see he calls out to them uh, to engage in, in, in dialogue. So we're learning a bit about God in this, just his Absolutely. character. He is the saviour God. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you see the two sides of, you know, God's attitude to man and man's attitude to God, because Adam and Eve are so affected by sin and guilt and this disturbed conscience that they're desperately afraid. And uh, there's this this sense of of dread. They know that they deserve judgment, uh, but they have, in some sense, a wrong view of God's character. Yeah. Now, um, or maybe they haven't a full revelation of God's character yet. We're going to have that, but here, yeah. um, because He's the God who not only will pronounce judgment as we see, but pronounce a way of deliverance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's important to see that, that this is characteristic even today of man. In the world, there's a, a fear, uh, a dread of God. And, and you would know even, you know, when you converse with people, uh, sometimes the very notion of God is something that people run away from. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, Hebrews 2 talks about people who all their lifetime are subject to bondage and there's it's to do with the fear of death. And that's really the fear of meeting God, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, all of that, all of that kind of thing, um, uh, I think it's important. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you mentioned something there I think it's worth picking up on just for a minute. Um, you, you turned the conversation away from our focus on Adam and Eve and the issues there to God. And I very helpfully, and I think maybe just in a more general point, um, I used to do this. Uh, I've done it in the past with younger folks. Uh, I would say, imagine you're in a desert island, and the only chapter of the Bible that you have, mm -hmm. the only thing you know about God is is in the chapter that you're reading. <laughs> um, what can you learn about God from that chapter? You know, um. And what can you learn about man from that chapter? What can you mm -hmm. learn about? Um, I think this is a really helpful way at times just to to draw something more from a passage you think you understand. Um, it's, it's a very beautiful thing because it also shows the consistency of God's character throughout the Bible. Like here we're seeing a God who, who will judge, we'll see in this chapter, who's prepared to come in judgment, but he is very definitely seeking blessing of his his creature um you know that we see man and he's in this rebellious position but yet god has something for him still and there's so much you can draw it even just from taking those two things or um i think it's a helpful thing just to you know once you think that you don't know any you can't get anything more out of a passage to do that like we almost like a a little mental exercise, you know, go into your desert island, take the chapter yep. Yep. and say, and well, I, if I, I think, knew nothing yeah. about God, what can I learn? You know? Yeah. I think that that doing that is recognizing in my mind, what scripture really is ultimately, which is the revelation of God. And mm. we, we, we can get so embroiled in the, the detail or maybe look at, at other issues, which are all very important, but ultimately what the Bible does in the same way as the Lord did, he's the word. Mm -hmm. And we have the word, uh, you know, literally before us, the, the, the written word. And what it's intended to do is introduce us to God so yeah. that we know. And that's a very important aspect. Yeah. It's almost like there's a watermark behind every chapter. And it's <laughs> yep. character, you know, character. That's good. You yeah. go and look for the watermark, you know. Yeah. Right. yeah. So come on back to the text here 9 to 12 we have the lord god calling to adam where are you his first question to adam um yeah so there's a number of things really that come out of this he speaks to adam um is there significance in in that david you know Adam eve was the first 
the first one who had rebelled in that sense of anyway, whatever way we look at this, she was the first to sin and then gives her husband. And yet Adam is the one who's, as it were, called under the carpet first. Maybe yeah. that's the wrong way of putting it, but you understand what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, th- I think Adam was the one that we know God directly communicated his command to. That's right. um, we have that in the previous chapter. And he had a very specific responsibility there. And then also he had authority in relation to Eve, mm. um, responsibility. He was given responsibility in respect of the garden. He was given responsibility in some sense in respect of, of Eve. Yeah. And of course, we, we do need to watch that. So you don't overstate these things, you know, because Eve, as we know, was deceived. Yes. To read later about that. And she was not. But having said it, she wasn't altogether free from blame. Oh. Um, so so we're, we're going to see that as well. Mm-hmm. But but Adam, there's a couple of things. First of all, Adam was deliberately disobedient. He was seems to have been more aware of the implications and everything in respect of his actions. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, he had, seems to have had a very specific um, sphere or, or uh, because we read later on, for example, it was by man that death came into the world. Uh, it's his actions which are particularly highlighted as impacting upon all of creation. So his position of headship in a very unique sense was that which um, was highlighted, I think, here by the Lord speaking directly to him first. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because, I mean, in my former employment uh, as a pharmacist, um, that the there was a new kind of legal definition came out, which was called the, the responsible pharmacist. We always used to chuckle at it a little bit, like you know, so there's some irresponsible pharmacist there, and there's one responsible pharmacist, yeah. but there always had to be one who was the ultimate responsibility in in, in the pharmacy, who had the ultimate responsibility. Um, and if something happened and a mistake happened, it ultimately fell on them uh, to some, you know, some degree that the, the responsibility, of course, there was still responsibility on the others, but the ultimate responsibility yep. uh, fell on that, that person. Uh, if there was a mistake made or something like that. Um, I, I think there's a similarity here in that sense, you know, Eve doesn't escape from her own individual responsibility, but Eve wasn't in the same position as Adam. So absolutely. So so just as you often say, a CEO of a company will have to, you know, sort of take the blame, take the fall if if something it's yeah, it's true in every sphere, isn't it? It's yeah, true in every yeah. sphere. It could be the leader of a country, it could be the yeah. the you know, manager of a football team. It could be, yeah. you know, ultimately there's someone at whom the buck stops. Aye, in that sense, um, and that you know, as you've said here, that that is definitely Adam. Yeah. So, where are you? Um, that seems an an unusual question for for the Lord to ask. I mean, (laughs) you know, whatever we understand from the rest of Scripture about God, it's very clear that God would have known geographically where Mm -hmm. Adam was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And so the question is, what, why the, why this question, and, and and what, what do you think God was conveying by it? Yeah, um, I think there's a couple. First of all, why a question? <laughs> why a question? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, so well, that opens a dialogue, which is important. And um, you know, rather than just God coming in, you know, to to state. Um, you know his condemnation of what Adam has done what he does is he begins by a question which opens a dialogue and you know you find those kind of questions everywhere in the bible asked by God by the prophets by the Lord Jesus you know by preachers whatever and it's really causing the recipient to face up to something right I, you I, know I, the, the the person to whom the question is asked they've got to they've got to answer the question in some sense whether in their mind or uh, or uh, audibly so god as you've said he he obviously knows where adam is but he wants adam 
number one, to enter into a conversation, a dialogue with him. And he's using this question because this shows, well, first of all, using a question in this fashion shows he's still interested in Adam. Mm-hmm. He's still interested in humanity. It, it's a reminder maybe to Adam that Adam's not where he once was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a reminder of the past relationship and what he's given up. Yeah. He's lost. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, it's a way to call Adam out from hiding um, because Adam is, you know, he's, he's wanting away from God. Yes. God saying, Come in, in a yeah. sense, you know, the, the very, you? yeah. Where are you? So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful. I mean, you know, <laughs> You would call your child, you know, occasionally, you know, if you, you know, yeah. where are you? You know, like you, you're not, you're not here, you know, and yeah. um, it, in that sense, there's an, an element of invitation in it. Um, and it's quite interesting because, you know, you come to the New Testament, it speaks, um, John 3, it speaks about those who come to the light. You know, men love the darkness rather than the light because they say, but those who are seeking God, they come to the light that their deeds may be made manifest there of God. I think there's a sense in which that is the call of the gospel even yet, isn't it? And, you know, and this is very, at a, at a very basic level here, um, that we're, you're trying to call people to expose do that exposed position in front of God where they're facing up to what they are so that God can bless them. Absolutely. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah. that a call like this makes sense in light of what we learn of God's nature, his character and the gospel. Um, Adam then speaks in verse 10. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. Now, because I was naked and I hid myself. Um, is there anything more than what we've already covered in, in that verse? Is this is this his verbal expression? This idea of his fear now, and again he mentions his nakedness. And I hid myself. So, so what what had come in between Adam and Eve? Is is it now being exhibited more, almost more graphically? with regard to the Lord himself and the relationship with the Lord, do you think? Is is that the way you understand this? Yeah, it, it's it's really agreeing, I think, with what we just mentioned earlier, that the cause of what he is doing is this fear. And uh, the cause of this fear is because he's recognized that in some sense he's exposed and things are yeah, not as they yeah, should yeah. be. Yeah. So it kind of agrees what, what we've we we pre- previously said um this there's a practical side to this it's not something maybe that i want to dwell on too long but the idea of of, of nakedness um and and the thing of, of of a desire to cover one's shame we're looking at it theologically if you like but at its very root level here um, it, it is i take it a, a physical reality you know, he was naked. And this is the way it was, you know, it was eaten into him, the fact that he was naked, exposed. Just, um, and he was wanting to cover up. By the time we come to the end of the passage, you know, the Lord covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve, as we will know. Um, a society that's moving away from God often is a society that wants to throw, wants to glory in their shame and is there a sense in which we see that with, you know, an increased desire to, to expose the human body? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think both those things that you've mentioned, Andre, the thing of silencing conscience um, by, by kind of putting it down to other issues apart from actual yeah. guilt. Yeah. And then, and then the whole thing as as you've mentioned of casting aside any kind kind of shame associated with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nakedness this is kind of a step further than the recognition of adam and eve here it's the step which is kind of saying while we feel this 
And while we know that there's a shame associated with this, we don't care. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So that's a, a, so it's a, 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 a rebellious action step, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah um, right. So then the Lord's <laughs> interrogation, if we can say, continues. Uh, who told you um, that you were naked and have you eaten uh, of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Um, and then the man refers to, well, he says the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave her the tree and I ate. So, um, so Adam turns his attention to the woman in that sense. Um, any thoughts there? Um, yeah, well, he was denying the position of authority, you know, and responsibility and accountability. I take okay, it he yeah. was passing the book. I, I think that very much it's a, a, quite a sad um part of the record you know what what he said was true of course but it wasn't the whole truth um so he's he's blaming the woman and then ultimately i think trying to pass blame back godward um yeah he's he's denying personal responsibility uh and therefore culpability uh he's saying you know I, i couldn't help myself um the the circumstances into which you put me make me do what is wrong and of course again this is the impact of sin uh, upon humanity so adam had been placed in this perfect environment in perfect freedom he was given a very clear warning by god but suddenly sin has colored everything. And in spite of, you know, God's gracious approach to Adam here, Adam's defensive and yeah. kind of slippery and he's trying to avoid any kind of acknowledgement. I am the one to blame uh, because uh, that would be an acknowledgement of sin and guilt. So do you think then there's, there's the warping of Adam's nature? Is starting to be seen here. This, this is not even just the shame, you know. Okay, you've you've done this. It's now listen. Somehow I'm not to blame. Yeah, you know, it's as you say, and again, looking at it the from perspective today, you know, often the blame is shifted so readily. You know, the reason why so and so, or the reason I didn't, I did this was because. Yeah. Um. And often that blame ultimately ends up at God, you know, and and I think that idea that the reason why we're in the suffering, you know, we have suffering, the the connection that people now so quickly make that even a previous generation would have made so quickly is we have suffering today, there must not be a God, is, you know, is almost an elongation of this thing, you know, the blame must finally go back to God and I'm going to do the only thing I can do with regard to God is you know say for me he's not there mm-hmm. you know because it's not yeah anyway there's maybe something in that anyway to, to yeah. think about you know so that passing the buck and and even just at a general level you know people pass the buck to the government you know why is so and so not more well fed <laughs> you know yeah. well it has to be the government that's at fault you know, why is, you know, why, you know what I mean? It, it, it becomes a, a commonplace thing to find everybody but ourselves guilty. Or, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And I mean, we see it here, as we're going to see in a moment, with Eve as well. Mm. Um, you know, just, just you know, in the next wee bit yeah, here, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, the woman responds by... Um, uh, can I read that? Yeah, the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you've done?" And the woman said, "The serpent beguiled me, and I did it." So, so yeah. again, it's it's accurate, but it's insufficient. You know, right. um, yes, you know, Adam Adam blamed God for his sin. Eve blamed the devil for her, you know, uh, sin. And you know, these things, as you've said, they're very common. Um, in fact, I was speaking to a man just a couple of days ago, just at, at the driving meetings there, and uh, just after the meeting, and he, he came and he says, you know, you have to remember that people are basically good, but there's there's evil in the world. 
And I asked him what he meant by that. He says, well, you know, like Hitler, he says, Hitler was good, but the devil made him do wrong things. You know, and I named other leaders as well. But again, this is a denial of personal responsibility yeah. and culpability. Yeah. And, you know, we, we could go places with this. You know, there, there are some forms of theology which blame God for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And there are other forms of theology which blame Satan for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But biblically, what we're seeing here, and we will see, is that man is a responsible being with the ability to make free choices mm-hmm. and he's therefore blameworthy yes for, for the wrong choices and 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 that's it that's a kind of necessary thing i think to recognize to tie the, the whole bible together that there is a, a freedom that people have they're not solely at the mercy of external mm-hmm things whether that be god or, or satan in that sense yeah, yeah. they have that capacity to make deliberate choices and therefore they have culpability and responsibility Absolutely. and are blameworthy i think that that is central to the these early chapters and must be recognized yeah. to the whole they understand the whole of scripture um yeah. we interestingly don't read that the lord god interviewed the serpent <laughs> He didn't. He didn't have a, a discussion with with him. He simply pronounced a judgment upon him. Um, it's. It would appear to me anyway that that we see a distinction with how the Lord is is acting with regard to the serpent and and man. Uh, would that be fair? Do you think? Yeah, I, I see. Definitely, definitely. There's a different. There's a def, different treatment here. Um, Yep, and we find out when we go to other passages of scripture that 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 makes sense. Of the the fall of the angelic beings was dealt with differently by God. Yeah, their their um, judgment would come. Um, he didn't lay hold of angels by the hand to help. It tells us in Hebrews yeah. In yeah. chapter two, but he did lay hold of the seed of Abraham, as we know, those who respond by faith. Yeah. To him. yeah. So. There's a sense in which maybe we just have to keep that in mind, you know. Um, it's mankind that God is moving towards here. And um, he didn't need to move in grace, but he did. That's and right. He yeah. just moved in judgment as he did with, with the angelic hosts that fell. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So now we've seen the initial consequences, as it were. Now, now we're going to deal with the Lord and what he pronounces now is there any way we can um see how those differ um it's is there, there seems to be a, what what i mean is is it's um we have things like shame and guilt you know guilt that comes from breaking god's command there's the shame that that necessarily happens there's the warping of the human character and and nature as we've seen in adam and eve so far um now god's going to move and he's going to as it were judge um and there are further consequences that come out of that uh, you know, and now we're we're sitting at the other side of that, and and we we not only have the initial consequences of the fall, but also the added consequences that come through God's pronouncement. Is there a way we can divide those up, or or, or think of those differently, David? That you've thought about? Um, um you, you mean in in the sense that um, some are just the the outcome. Yeah. Of sin, the, the the consequences which follow, uh, which God nearly predicted, um, yeah. prior to the fall, but but these are more specific judgments, yeah. ways in which God responds to the moral implication of the decision that they made, yeah. Uh, so yeah. they deserve a punishment in respect of it, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I hadn't I hadn't divided them up massively, but yeah, yeah. I see what you're yeah. saying there, yeah. Yeah, I, I just—it's really worth thinking about anyway. Yeah. I, I, I could would like to do more work on it myself anyway. Um, so we have the the serpent, 
Um, do we want to say much about the serpent and the seed now? Um, could you summarize yeah. a few things uh, in 14 and 15? I think our final uh, podcast, we're going to look at that in a little we'll bit. look at that in more detail. Yeah. yeah. The, the only thing, Andrew, is maybe, you know, to, to note, again, this sort of physical and symbolic thing or or physical and spiritual thing, which runs down the, the, the passage. So so judgment is pronounced on, on the serpent here uh, in uh, verse 14. Um, and this is both the physical serpent, as we've been mm-hmm. recognizing. There's a sense in which this is a physical serpent, and yet it's also symbolizing Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it, it's the embodiment, in a sense, of 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 Satan. So, I think that that explains as we go down why there are both physical and spiritual aspects mm-hmm. then to the the judgment. I mean, the snake's lowly physical position; it's going to now slither along the ground. Is in some sense, I mean, it's a physical thing, but it's also it it symbolizes. It's a sim. It's a symbolic testament, I think, to the fact that Satan is going to be brought down. Um, and, you know, it's it's a symbol that remains, mm-hmm. as we know. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so, and then, then verse 15 kind of goes in, into that aspect of it more, and it talks about how really Satan will be ultimately defeated through the seed of the woman. So, so it's just one of the difficult things, I think, in Genesis 3, is to recognize that there's always the two things mm. there's the physical reality of what's happening but but there's a lot of symbolism in that physical reality mm-hmm. and you know they, they both need to be kind of thought about yeah definitely definitely um yeah and and the obvious promise that comes about her seed um there's a there's a there's a hope that's in this that's unpacked throughout the rest of scripture as we'll see um you know he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel uh, and as we have the woman's seed just mentioned here we'll we'll think about that in more detail but i think it's worth stopping and saying it's right it's central to god's response that there's hope uh there's hope for mankind because from mankind and from the woman actually uh, will be, will come such such a vict an ultimate victory, um, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. So moving on, um, verse sixteen. Uh, so the consequences um on the woman involved a few different kind of relational changes. Um, I suppose we we could discuss some of these. Um, verse sixteen. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Um, yeah, yeah. So if we're taking these as they're they're almost the way I'm thinking in my head is it's it's almost like God adds these additional things in to remind us of the fact that we're in a fallen world. Yeah, you know, and it's, yeah. It's, are these these restrictions these issues now in a sense they are consequences of the fall still maybe yeah. it's as much predictive of the lord as you know you know if this is the ultimate result result of sin you know yeah but, um, it's kind of it's interesting to see that the sphere of judgment for the woman is the family sphere mm-hmm. um you know it refers to the birth of children and uh you know relationship with the husband mm-hmm. um you know, as far as childbirth is concerned, pain is going to be multiplied. Um, and then a relationship with her husband. We have here, I, I take it, the, the prediction, uh, you know, of, of the battle mm-hmm. of the, the sexes, really, which we, we yeah. see yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah. so what God is saying, the woman is going to wish to overturn, in some sense, man's authority. Right. And the man's going to oppress the woman. Um. Yeah. And that that's the outcome of sin, and it's not God's original intent at all. You know, we talk about you know man's authority and headship and and woman submission and so on. You know, from 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 a biblical perspective, no man should ever oppress oh, yeah. a woman, and 
and no woman should ever be seeking to overturn man's authority. Mm -hmm. Um, But what God has predicted here is what we see everywhere. And it's obviously, it permeates not just within families, but it permeates throughout society uh, everywhere. And this, this constant battle is a result of the fall. And as you said, in some sense, a judgment of God mm-hmm. um, upon man. Yeah. So, so just on that, so we have with the, say the feminist movement um, yeah. of the last 150 or so years, much of which is at times lauded by, certainly by the media and so on. And we have, we have a, I think a situation here where there, there is a, at root level, a recognition of that statement, he shall rule over you. You know, there's a tyranny there yeah, that, absolutely. That in this verse that, that the man will take a position because of his physical strength <laughs> for the different reasons um, that, that he can, it, it, he can get at the woman in some way, in that way. Um, the other side here, your desire shall be for your husband. Um, there's different ways to take that, isn't there? Uh, but my the way I understood it best, um, I felt was similar to chapter four, where we're going to see um, sin has a desire for you, uh, Cain, to control you, Cain. To gain control over you, to overturn you. you. Yeah, yeah. So, as you say, I think this idea of, of the clash between man and woman, what was... Um, what was a, a relationship of of a complementary and, and a constructive nature um, becomes a, a conflict. Yeah, in that sense, you you think absolutely. And this is this is again going back to the you know what was brought out a little by the clothing and the covering of the nakedness and so on. There, there's a, a lack of trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's yeah. that the, sin has not only fractured the relationship with God, but sin has the fractured the relationship at the level, you know, the horizontal level uh, yes. between yeah. human beings, between the, the two that were here on earth at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and ultimately between man and woman down through the generations. This is what sin does. Yeah. Um, yeah. God had a perfect creation in which the relationship with him was perfect. The relationship between man and woman was perfect, but mm-hmm. sin has destroyed all of that. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's really helpful. Um, I think the other thing is that the feminist answer to the problem is a false gospel in this sense that, that they seek to overthrow, not just, you know, the fact or the effects of the fall, um, you know, that we just want to sort of flatten the curve and, make there not be suffering between men and women um really what what they try to do is say well any thought of a distinction and rules is wrong too so yeah. so they'll take yeah. that but that that's chapter two that was already in place and there was no issue um absolutely and, that's uh, the that's the perfect that's, that's the perfect when yeah, those two exactly. wherever when those two positions are, are accepted and understood properly and uh that that's that's the ideal, that's not ideal. not something to overthrow at all. Exactly, um, and and then ultimately they overthrow the distinctions of chapter one, as well between male and female. Um, that, that's an obvious, you know, once you start throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you throw out the whole baby. Yeah, and I think um, it's important to to mention we, we've mentioned the feminist kind of movement. Yeah, you know, it's very reactive because man has for centuries and millennia mm-hmm. oppressed women yeah. and yeah. you know used them as chattel and yes. uh, yeah. abused them in in so many ways um so so we're not minimizing that in fact we're 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 very clear to state that yes. that in itself is a a very 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 sinful yeah um way for for men to act so the as you said like the two the the problem with this here, that's why I kind of think that this is nearly predictive. It's nearly just a statement like sin has come in and this woman is, her sphere is the family particularly. 
mm-hmm. right? And so what God is saying is like, this is how this is going to affect you. This this is the judgment. This is the judgment. This is the result of sin. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to affect you in this way. You're going to be fighting, fighting, fighting against man. You're going to be under man's mm-hmm. uh, domination. And, uh, you know, so, so, and this is true. <laughs> this is the history, the sad history of the world. And the only answer to this is the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. As as we say, the only answer to this is the gospel because the heart of man and woman need need change. Yeah, and that, that's the point I was trying to make. It's a false, it's a false gospel when yeah. you think that you can do this by leaving absolutely. God. Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Um coming on to Adam then, I think um our time's probably running down. Um then to Adam he said, um because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, saying you shall not eat, cursed is the ground for your sake, um, and so on, thorns and thistles shall bring forth in the sweat of your face. You can usually eat bread till you return to the ground, or out of it you were taken. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So, um, man's, um, the consequences on man are connected to his work and his toil and his frailty mm-hmm. we might say um, mm-hmm. you're dust and you're going to return to dust yep. the great king of creation as it were has seen mm-hmm. just disintegrating yeah um, it's a shockingly visual picture um, and, and I think you have to keep the visual in front of you yeah, in these chapters, don't you? As you say, David. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think, I think to do that, the pictures really help to understand what what's happening. Um, so, can you help us on on this? Um, the cursing of the ground, the thorns and the thistles. Well, I think, I think, Andrew, that you know, again, what we're seeing here is that this is this is Adam's particular sphere. Okay, right. Operation, which is important just to see. And so God is mentioning to Adam that which will have particular impact upon his role. Um, So he was, as we know, to tend the garden and he was to do do these different things that we mentioned in the the previous chapter. And paradise involves work. So, um, but now work is not going to have this be as productive as it was. It's not going to be as rewarding. Uh, it's going to have difficulties and problems and opposition and pain and sweat and, yeah, you know, and ultimately death. There's a weakness, as you've said, a frailty with yeah. the man. So, so I think, I think that God is declaring things, which we have only to look around us to know to be true. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, right. So the aftermath of this interview uh, with the Lord is also extremely interesting. Um, so Adam immediately, well, it doesn't say immediately, but the next point that's made is Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living um I, I I think that's tremendous that there's an element of hope here, isn't it? Hope is the big yeah, yeah. You know, like in the middle of the fact that they were assured of death by by the fall. Um yeah, and 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 he the last sentence was dust you are and to dust you shall return. But there's a higher hope, there's a greater aspiration. That seemed to have been kindled by by the Lord and, and perhaps his promise of sixteen. Yeah, I think I think that whole thing of the the the, the, the there's a I, I think there's some evidence of confidence in God's word and God's promise yeah. here. Um yeah. you know, Eve's named by Adam and the whole the name given is to do with offspring, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh she's the life giver. Um so the only other reference to offspring or a seed in the passage is this, you know, the seed that would defeat God's enemy and man's enemy, uh, the serpent. So 
he's anticipating. It seems to me he's anticipating that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's believing that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and thus he names his his wife Eve in anticipation of the fulfillment of the promise that God would give. I don't think that's stretching anything because that's the only reference to fruit in this passage. You know, if you understand what I mean, offspring yeah. seed. Yeah. And and then he he begins to speak of his wife as a life giver. So yeah, isn't that lovely? Because it's the distrust of the word of God that has caused all this. Yeah, uh, and so we have the way back, sort of being at least in symbolized here, with yeah. with Adam calling his wife's name Eve because mm-hmm. she's mother of all living. And a little light is in the darkness has been just kindled. Yeah. Um, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Again, there's that sense in which God takes dealing <laughs> with their nakedness. Yeah, yeah. Again, that hope, that you know. So, so, so God, as you've said, God provides a covering, so He's the source of it. And you know, we we could expand this through Scripture and just marvel at how in there's in this passage again it's so consistent with everything that follows on after so uh the only right so there's an absence of a covering here as we've seen you know that brought shame and fear now god provides a covering he's the source of it mm-hmm. but it's an animal skin that makes up the covering so yeah. Yeah. there's a necessary sacrifice there's a necessary death um sure. so really we're, we're seeing a substitutionary thing here you know because death has been promised Mm -hmm. death is the result of sin and here we're having a death but it's not the death of adam and eve at this stage you know to cover their shame and fear is the death of another and 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 we can't but see christ yeah exactly exactly yeah come back to that watermark yeah about you can see the basic um outline of something that's <laughs> yeah. extremely beautiful uh, and, and this, this last little part is full of gospel truth that, yes you know yeah so um yeah then the lord god said behold the man has become like one of us <laughs> what an expression that is yeah and yeah. within the godhead the man to know good and evil um and now so again that's that touched on it before but maybe uh, and now lest he put out his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever uh, the Lord then puts him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground so he drove out the man he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and the flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life it's not that God doesn't want man to live forever but not the way he is absolutely which again there's a hope in that isn't there Mm -hmm. because you know he doesn't want man to survive forever in this fallen condition Mm -hmm. what does he want Mm -hmm. what does he want um we've seen before this that there is some provision made for for deliverance and that Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want them to survive forever in this fallen condition yes yes So, so what what is the hope there's a hope in this uh you know the each one of these you know there's each one of these verses has this basic idea of hope, I think, in the background. And and so when we think of that idea of live forever, initial reading of it, you would think, oh, that's God, God's judgment. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, in the context that this is man in his fallen state, this is God doesn't want man stuck in the perpetuity of, of suffering and uh, feeling and so on and so when we come to revelation there's mention of the tree of life mm-hmm. in, in the midst of the paradise of god there's a mention of there's a mention of of a different realm where man can inhabit and, and enjoy mm-hmm. living forever as god intended absolutely but the whole process the whole story of redemption has to unfold in its fullest sense doesn't it um yeah and i think it's anticipated in the next verse Okay, keep it going for us then. Well, well, just 
so so that they're, they're 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 driven out as you know there but then he places at the east of the garden of eden cherubim mm-hmm. and the flaming sword um which guard the way to the tree of life so so again we could look at this and we could say well there they are banished and and so they are okay so they are but cherubim as we later discover in, in scripture are linked with god's righteousness mm-hmm. um and the sword is a symbol of justice mm-hmm. so w- all it's saying is that the way back to god is barred by god's righteousness and justice and what we know is that the gospel message is that god's righteousness has been satisfied and his justice has been met in the suffering and death of a substitute and this this is why there's a way back yeah. uh, if you understand you know that the the romans 3 for example you know god has set forth the lord jesus as the propitiation as that satisfying sacrifice absolutely through faith in his blood mm-hmm. the sword has found its mark yeah um, and therefore the way has been opened and God can be just, righteous and the justifier of the one who believes in the Lord Jesus. So, Amen. so even here in Genesis 3, you know, right back at the beginning of the Bible, the gospel is just there in, in embryo. Yeah, um, and it, it just and, grows and throughout scripture. And it, it, the more we see that, the beauty of the gospel, and, and we see it throughout the Bible, the more it it, it brings together the, the unity of God's revelation. Um, you know, this Edenic picture of a shattered, broken world. But the memory still being there. Um, and mankind, as it were, almost going out, and we'll see in the next chapter, so um, you know, trying to, to recreate Eden in a broken world can never do it. But there is a way back. The way back, you know, is... And there's this glimpse of something or someone better coming. Uh, there's there's this idea of of a future that, that is left hanging, uh, and yet that's what will be developed in, in the rest of the chapter. And I was just thinking, the seed of the woman and the way back is really something that's going to, you know dominate our final podcast um and, and so we probably should leave any more discussion of that yes there um, so yeah so we'll, we'll look a little bit at a little bit more at the seat of the women and also maybe uh touch upon abel and cain in, in the next one and and uh, try and tie up some of the the loose ends but um yeah thank you david that was really helpful I uh, really enjoyed that. Enjoyed the the glimpse of glory that we see even in these dark chapters. Good uh, to be with you, bro. Yeah, good yeah. to be with you. Yeah, I was thinking just, um, you know, they say to set off a diamond, you know, you set it against black, and mm-hmm. there's there's no doubt if you see the darkness of this chapter, it helps you to understand the beauty of the gospel. Is that true? Mm-hmm.